You're listening to Awakening with Rabbi Ami Silver on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Ami as he shares the wisdom of the Hasidic master, Rabbi Kolonimus Kalman Shapira of Piazetsna. Through the Piazetsna Rebbe's various works, Rabbi Ami guides us on a unique path of healing, transformation, and awakening to experiencing the divine that is steeped in the Jewish mystical tradition. So, <laughs> um, so we're going to look at the last piece on Parashat Kukat in, uh, in Sefer Shkodesh. This is from 1942, and it's uh, the third to last piece on the Sefer. Before we start this piece, I want to just read uh, something from the beginning. This is the Rebbe's uh, opening paragraph in Savizeru's journal. Um, the end of it, which I think relates to some of what we're going to see. It says like this, Amor Me'ata, this is, again, the Rebbe wrote this before the war. 30s, 20s, I don't know exactly when, if not the 80s. The Rebbe says, this was a journal of his, his own spiritual life, as, as you both know of. Amor Me'ata, Tov Lola Adam, Yershomat Komach Shvotav. So we can say, now that it's good for a person to write down all of their thoughts, all of their awareness. Not to make a name for themselves as an author. But rather to, to etch, to scratch themselves onto a paper, onto a page. To give life to all of the movements and turns of the soul. It's rising, it's falling. And therefore, all of, again, the nefesh here, the soul, all of her essence, her being, her shape, the, the comprehensions of the soul, the kinyanim, everything that the soul has absorbed, achieved, accomplished throughout its lifetime, it will remain alive. To live eternal life inside of those who ingest and swallow it. One generation gets unclothed, the other generation gets clothed. Mamash, we saw with Aaron in Parshat Kukat, was brought up to her heart. Moshe unclothed Aaron. Aaron's clothes and put those clothes on, on his son Azar. You, you read the words in Mamash feel that it's somehow Aaron himself is being transferred over to be worn by, by Azar Kohen. The Rebbe here is saying that when you write your soul onto paper, you have an, an ability to live eternally. The soul can live eternally within and among those who take it in and absorb it and, and learn from it and dress themselves in it. And, and there's a note here at the bottom about this last piece of Dor Mitpashet Dor Mitlabesh Dor, which all of Parshat Kukat, right? It comes after the 38 years in the desert. Um, the first Rashi, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, says that Kol Ha'eda gets to meet Bartzin. Oh, no, okay, not first Rashi, but Parsha, but in, in that Parshia within it. That Kol Ha'eda means the whole generation of the, of the Exodus has died off at this point. 
this is the new door being rubbish. Um, I'm getting ready for it. So, so it says on the, on the notes. So the Tisha B'Av, they don't go into the graves and, and come out of the graves. Hainu kshedor echad yivla et atzmot nafsho shal hamachaber el kirbo. When a later generation, when the next generation swallows, I'm going to be very literal, in the bones of the soul of the author into themselves, or the essence, the atzmot nafsho, the structure of, I don't know if you remember, like, well, we, the first year of the whole series here, Parshat Shmot and Nechamelech, we read the Joshua where the Rebbe says that Machaber basically puts all of their soul's limbs into a book. Everything that each part of their being has learned in how to live a holy life and how to struggle a holy struggle and how to come close to God and they share that with you, they're, they're putting themselves into a book. So when the next generation ingests that, takes that soul into themselves. And when those people then act and are guided by the good revelations and, and lessons that that previous person had learned. And then the next generation, the next generation. The soul of the author lives eternal life within those who Eat and swallow so. Also reminds me of the Russian Bazaar. Itpashtuta de Moshe Rabbeinu is mitpashet. It's spread out. It's unclosed again and again in, in each generation. Shapir Moshe Shapir to be stripped away and to be spread out. And so there's, there's there's a ton we could say just on that note, but I think we'll see within this Torah that, that there's something that I think is is behind what the Rebbe is, within the Rebbe's words here that relates to this idea, and, and, and as far as it relates to Pasha Chukat is is there as well. Okay, so I'm going to read the, I have the Pesukim in full here, and uh, I'll pick up when we get into it. Okay. All of B'nai Israel, the whole community arrives in the first month. So this is Nisan, it's not the, it's not. It's not Yud Ba'avir. It's a few months later. Um, gets to meet Bartzin, right? Zafka Miriam's yard site, according to tradition, is on Yud Nisan. The people settle in a place called Kaddish, sanctification. Miriam dies there and she's buried there. There was no water for the people, and they gather around Moshe. So let's listen to the Rebbe's words. Right? As all says, Rashi says, what's the connection between Miriam dying and there not being any water? Is that the well was in her school. For 40, year, 40 years in the desert, they were able to drink water in the merit of Miriam. Rebbe says, the well was in her school. The man was in Moshe's school. And the clouds of glory were out of the school. 
So the three pillars of the people carried these basic forms of sustenance, of food, of drink, and protection. But Miriam is the well. And here the Rebbe asks the most basic, obvious question, Vinavina, lama dafka bizchuta? So why, what does the well have to do with Miriam? Why dafka a well and Miriam? Okay, we're not trying to ask, technically speaking, why was it that at that generation it was the well that was in its food? With no concept, what, what do you mean? There's a, in the schut of a human being, there's some kind of miraculous well that travels in the desert. Like, we're not trying to understand that. Okay, we have no concept what the tzadikut, or the, the, the level that this person lived on, or the other tzadikim, that, that other vision. We have no deal with that. Rachmazen the Ramizlano. But what, what does it mean to us? Which the Rebbe, by the way, see over and over and over again, he'll bring some kind of very deep concept here. It's a question on, on uh, the Majush Chazal and the idea of what, what the tzadikim, what their lives generated. But, you know, when he'll quote like a portion from the Eitz Chaim. And I'll say, we're not going to try to understand this, but what is it hinting us in our Avodah, on our level? So this is always the way that he's processing these uh, higher, kind of loftier ideas. Efshar. So here's a possible direction. And this Efshar lasts seven pages, but you know. Efshar. Ki Rashi Piresh Af Hibin Shikameta. So he's going to begin to answer the question with another question. Rashi says that when Miriam dies, he brings a Midrash Chazal that contrasts Miriam's death with Aaron's death. By Aaron, it explains that Aaron died al Hashem. It's not here, it's later. It's in when they kind of recount. So he recounts Aaron's death that he died al Hashem. So Chazal says, we learn from here that Tzadikim died by a kiss. Al-Pi Hashem doesn't just mean it was divinely commanded, but that there was a, a touching of God's mouth and the mouth of the Tzadik, whatever that means. The kiss of God that, that brought this person into the next world. So this is like a, this is a bizarre Rashi. It must be that the Tzadikit Miriam Anavi'ah Afibinishikameta. She must have also died with a kiss. But it never says that she died up Yashem. So Rashi brings a chazal. It's not honorable, it's not to the honor of heaven to say that she died by this. What, what is this trying to say to us? Just simply speaking, what, is he, what do you mean it's not honoring God to say that she died by this? The way that this is classically understood is people say, would it be Sanua to say that God kissed a woman? I mean, it's, a, it's, it's bizarre, right? It's bizarre. And that's what the Rebbe is saying. The Rebbe is saying, this is, you can't explain that this is what this Russian means, that this is what this Mamar Chazal means. Right, it's like, uh, the Torah says that Yaakov Avinu went out to a well and he gave water to Rachel and to her sheep, and he kissed her and he cried. And you have all these, you have like Rishonim who are trying like, oh, he, he, how could he have kissed her? Oh, he must have not, you know, it's like, just, this is what it says. It, it is what it is. Okay, enough of that. But the Rebbe is saying, it doesn't, we're not talking about 
a physical kiss, yeah. Even with our own. Even with our own, it's not exactly. But so, what does it mean that Miriam's death by kiss is a, is a hidden kiss? Because it's not kavod shemal. What does that mean? Dev shaki noda misifrei kvod kodshi adoni avimavi ravetzadik vakadosh etzav. Possible, we can understand it according to what my exalted father taught. Shehaish Yisraeli tzrich adat shegam shashu mitover biitavuta dilatata kamu yitparach noten bodat ratzua mimala kadei shitover mimala. So the Rebbe's father teaches that that we need to know that even when we are awakened to serve God, we have like an inspiration. It's called itruta dilatata, an arousal from below. And awakening from below, I feel like injected with spiritual motivation or some kind of desire to come close to God. So I need to know that that God caused that also. I can't take credit for the fact that I all of a sudden am, am on fire desiring to come close to God. The da'at and ratson, right? That awareness and that desire, those are given to me. And the other Hasidic Sfarim find a hint of this in Tehillim. To you, God, it's Chesed, because you pay somebody according to their actions. Now, before we get to the explanation, the, 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 the Pasuk itself is begging, what do you mean that's Chesed? It's Chesed to pay somebody according to what they did? That's just called being. Not a liar, right? <laughs> not not cheating somebody. So you have chesed because you give somebody kemaseinu. Why is it chesed that Hashem gives us kemaseinu? Because the truth is that God is the one who awakens us. It's it's a divine gift to have the energy and the motivation and the desire to do something for you. But the chesed is the gift above all of that. Is that God rewards us as if we, we were responsible. As if I did something. Yeah? You hear it? That's a chesed. So the chesed that you do for us, God, is that you relate to us as if we were the ones who did something. That's the chesed. That's the chesed. Well, that itself is a chesed. There's, there's a chesed that's not even spoken about here, which is giving us an ability and a desire to come close to God or want or desire God in the first place. But the, beyond that, there's a chesed where God, God pretends that we did it too. Get the rages. Right. You get, you get some kind of... You know, some kind of spiritual reward. Like, like a, a child, like doing something for the first time, uh -huh, like uh -huh. with the hand of the parent, yeah. and then like the did. parents so excited, the kid yeah. gets so excited too. That it's like it's the, a great mashal. It's a great mashal because when you, what does that do for a child when you celebrate their achievement, even if you helped them do it? Right? What does that give them? Gives them confidence. It gives them a sense of self. It enables them to develop. Whereas if you just did it for them, they wouldn't develop. You would be the one who's acting, and they would only know how to follow. 
So even if you pretend or train them in being self-led, they might ultimately become more self-led. Or at the very least, if we take that to the, the mashal, to the nimshal, it sounds like he's saying any of these itaruta de tata, we're never, so we're never the, the, the source of it. But what perhaps we do give, what perhaps it does give us is, is a greater sense of a, of a self that's, that's there. Right? That, as if God's saying, yeah, yeah. It's celebrating, well, women, I'll celebrate myself. Anyway. So now again, remember we said that Chukat is the Rebbe's wife, Rachel Chaya, Miriam's yard site. We're speaking about Miriam's death and Hutzadikut and connection to that. So he says, Nimsa the Fizeh. Says, what we find from here is that a woman who makes herself becomes a tzaddiket and learns Torah mekayim mitzvot, it actually is her own actions. Because she's not commanded, she's not acting out of command. She's not acting out of a divine decree. Meaning this whole, uh, uh, this whole discussion that his father is talking about, that really comes from God, that's for men. That's for, it's as if God says like, you have this mitzvah that you got to do. Okay, obviously there's chiyuvim for men and for women. But the Rebbe is speaking about um, the chiyuvim that are, that are, in this particular context, God is saying, I'm telling you, you got to do something. And I'm going to make sure you do it, right? And it seems that the Rebbe is maybe relating specifically to the realm of, of Talmud Torah here. Yeah. That's because you're obligated. I can give you the chesed for you to feel that it's coming from somewhere inside. But I don't have to do that with you. And also, if we go back, there was a letter relating particularly to the letter that we read, where the Rebbe writes about his wife's learning and 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 tefillah that were. Is you just kind of spending hours every morning devo in devotions? She missed her Yudi Nefesh. The whole right. she, she complained to him that her Yudi Nefesh before Psukhid Zimra was Shvach. That was like one of the kind of little windows he, he gave it to. But, um, but this is part of the radical thing here is that the Gemara says, Right? The Gemara says it's greater. One who is commanded to do something and does it, the one who's not commanded and does it. And 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 you think the opposite, and the Rebbe says the opposite too. What he's saying is explicitly against the opposite of what the Kamara says. He's overturning the whole idea, which is it's no Mila to be obedient. Or it is a Mila. But that's that's the Mila. That that's you know, if to, to be commanded to do something and to fulfill that mitzvah, okay, you're partnering with God. But, but you've got to know that God is helping you do that. Because God really wants that done, at least on the level of the structure of, of mitzvot masyot. But if you're doing something that's beyond what you're commanded, here it's true, it's not, you know, here he's speaking specifically about, about Miriam and, and, and his wife and, 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 and women who, who are models of tzadikot, but for anybody, if you're doing when you're what, the, the second you're doing what's beyond what what's 
necessary. Yang would command it of you. So that is more yours than God's. It's ma'aseh shela. And for that reason, the awakening, that desire to come close, it, it wasn't as much. Okay, he's not making absolute claims here, but it wasn't as much from the body. It wasn't as much from the body. There was more self-initiative. Okay? Okay, man. Okay. This is what Chazal's Rashi means that Miriam also died with a kiss. Why wasn't it through God's mouth? It's not the honor of heaven. Meaning, The fact that she rose up to heaven, that Miriam went and kissed God herself, so to speak. It, it, it's, not covered, it's not God's honor that did this. this isn't, heaven doesn't get credit. This is what it, heaven doesn't get credit for Miriam becoming a Tzadikist. It was Itadurita Dilatata in a, in a pure form. Whereas Aaron, Aaron God, God lifted Aaron up. Miriam lifted herself up. It's a different way of understanding Shainu Exactly. Kavod Shalmala means it's not heaven's credit. It's not there. It's not the honor of God that, that did this. It's, it's her that did it. Kevanshimakor Avodatabahi, the source of her avoda, was with, from within her. Umi Mena Novea. And it flows out from her. Therefore, the well, remember a question, the well was in her honor, because a well is a source of living, holy water that flows from within itself. Not only that, it flows from under the earth. It flows from the ground. It's the groundwater. It's the water from below. What the Rebbe is speaking to here without using these terminologies, what, what the Kabbalah calls the Mayan Nukrim, the feminine waters that rise upward, or what Chazal calls the Mayan Tachtonim. We saw this in, in the Torah before Shuas, where the Rebbe was talking about the need for each one of us to dig within, like the Avot dug wells, remember? That, that each one of us needs to dig within ourselves and find the Makor Mayim Chayim, Mayim Kedoshim, the source of holy flowing waters from within ourselves. That without that, our, our, our relationship with God is incomplete. We can't just be receivers. We have to be selves in the process. That's the well, and that's Miriam, and that's Miriam's death. Miriam's death is, is, is with a kiss, but it's not a Hashem. It wasn't a divinely decreed kiss. Miriam did it herself. And you just like zoom out for a second and think about Miriam and Uvia. Think about what we know about. First of all, Chazal tells us that Miriam's responsible for Moshe being his birth. Because she looked she, around at what was, and she, she said, she challenged her parents, she challenged the status quo. She said, you're going to give up? You have no idea what, what's possible. You're, she said to Amram, you're worse than Parah. Right? 
um, she had the guts to follow little baby Moshe in the raft and watch over him throughout the Nile. She had the guts to run over to Balpar and say, hey, let me, let me take care of, of this baby and bring it to, to nurse. According to Chazal, she was also one of the midwives who refused to obey Haro's decree. It's the spiritual disobedience of Miriam that is the, the, where the power of her prophecy comes from. Yeah? And we're going to see later, we're going to see later in Kukat that, that this, this is a, a theme that, that returns. Um, and again, just to crystallize what the Rebbe is really focused on here is, is how much of it is considered to be yourself and how much of it is you're just kind of receiving God's gifts and consulting, which is, I say just as if, like, as if it's a small thing. It's no small thing, but in the comparative scale, the way the Rebbe is talking about it, it's limited. it's limited. I'm going to read a couple more lines and maybe a couple more paragraphs. I'm not sure. And from this introduction about Miriam, we can learn or understand a little bit with our limited comprehension a hint in our service of God. Lama hikam Moshe Rabbeinu atasela. Why did Moshe hit the rock? Remember the rock Moshe hit in the wake of Miriam's death, in the absence of Miriam. Why was Moshe hit? Now the truth is, as far as reading from the text, I think we're going to skip to the last paragraph or two of this whole this whole Torah, because it's. But I'll I'll say a couple of things that that the Rebbe covers here. Is that he goes into a pretty long discussion here about <clears throat> about eternal life and the difference between the eternal life of an individual and the eternal life of humanity. And on one level, he talks about about human life that before Chet Adam Arishon, before Chet Adam Chava, there was the energy within human beings to live eternally. Right? That's what right. the Torah says. The day that you eat from that tree, mutu. But, and then and this is what God decides after eating. We have to kick them out of the garden because they might eat from Eitz and live forever. We're not going to explain what that means. We don't understand what that means. But this is a context, a frame. After, there's a reality that includes what the Rebbe talks about as Bechira and Chet, the potential for Chet. So eternal life of an individual doesn't exist anymore. Until what we that's where we have some ultimate vision that that will be restored. But what we have is Chaye Netzach through Holadah. Hey, welcome. We have eternal life is gained through generations. Yeah. Right? Humanity lives eternally, individual people don't. So, where do you gain your eternity? So on the one level, the Rebbe says it's through children. He has a beautiful banim atem l'ashem elokeichem. It says through the banim, you become attached to Hashem elokeichem. You, you touch that eternal God life through holada, through children, generations. And then he goes on to say, and it's not only physical children. He says that teaching Torah <coughs> to another person also passes, passes on eternal life 
to humanity. You're giving from yourself beyond yourself. You're birthing a new frame of understanding in, in the world. And that lives on what we saw the Rabbi Torah from Savizirus. You write yourself on a paper and somebody else ingests that and lives that and walks that and passes that on. You, your soul is now living eternally through that transmission. Rabbi goes on and he even says, you know, you might think that's only for great uh, teachers and tzaddikim. First of all, you should read this Torah. It's just the, 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 the way he talks about children is, is, is incredibly powerful. But he goes on and he says, talks about, yes, to teach children Torah is, is participating in eternal life in this way. Af ishechad lo merim even just what person, what one person learns with another. Oh, Omerlo Musar Vadracha, any tfos Whatever you share with another person in Torah, whatever you share with another person in guidance, you can't think that it's just this one isolated thing. There's a there's a revelation of God that's happening between us. Whenever we're sharing something godly from us to another person. There's, there's, a, there's a revelation that's happening there. There's There's renewal, there's newness, there's birthing that's happening. Especially the, when we share it as it is godliness. That's, that, that the sharing itself. Yeah, so this that's is, a sacred, that's Avodah Rochanit. So there's something else that the Rabbi explains. So we just talked about this on the human scale. And he says that, that Kabbalistically, this is what creation, this is how creation works too. That creation exists through the process of that the whole unfolding of the olamot, of the worlds, of the realms, of the sfirot, it's all a process of one birds the next. One transmits its energy into another kli, into another form, into another form. That this is our model for existence. And what we do as human beings, whether it's sharing Torah, whether it's generating biological life, whether it's expanding spiritual life, we are participating in that ongoing unfolding of existence. This is what it means to attach ourselves to, to God's eternal. That's, that's what the Rebbe says, uh, part of the Rebbe says that we're seeing. But it's important for, for okay. Um Anybody who teaches Torah to the child of their friend, the Pasuk treats them, considers them as if they birthed that person. Right? This is how Hazal views Talmud Torah. It's a process of giving life to them. You know where the mitzvah to learn Torah comes from? That you teach your child. It means that the yesod of all Talmud Torah, all learning about teaching, is the yesod of generating new life, of, of participating in, in this birth process, and, and, and of gikalut, of revelation, of covering and bringing something new to, to existence. Could you just explain, too, why Kapot Torah is so important? Right. It's domestic. It's, it's, it, it's even more, right? It trumps Kibbutz. trumps Okay. Goes on, even says like anything that you even 
anything you ask of another person to do you uh, he's a, a tova do me do me a favor anything you when you ask someone to do you a favor he says so you that's all you're aware of is happening i'm asking for you. but there's another gilu that you're participating in there. your your soul is begging something of god that's what your soul is begging something of god. so whatever i know i'm treating this in very broad general strokes but seems to me that part of what the Rebbe, this is again what, what we've been saying the last few weeks, both in the Torah of Kukat the previous year. Also, this is, I don't know, Noach, if you were with us when we saw the Torah on his father's yard site, about the Tzadikim, Hashem Arts, you were there, I think, right? That it's Tavka the Tzadikim who lived in the earth and are buried in the earth that are the ones that we look to for protection, not the souls up above somewhere. We look for the, the, the human knowledge and, and empathy that comes from there, who cares about the bodies of those who are, who are in the land of living? I'm looking this up. All this is the Torah right after that. All the Torahs that the Rebbe is teaching that we're looking here, uh, that we're looking at here, are about 1941, 1942 in the Warsaw You, Rebbe, you need to find a new model of understanding where God exists here. And it's not a top down model. It's not a model of from above to below. It's a model from one person to the other. Because even if you can't do anything that seems so radically spiritually important here in this context, if you can help another person, what we saw in the previous week, if you just care for another person, you just have Rahmanud for another person, that's the avoda. That's the avoda. And 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 here. When it comes to Miriam, it's not only one person to the next, it's also from, from, from below to above, which, which is really the model of what that interpersonal connection is. That inter, when, we create, when we create a world that's godly by interacting with each other, that is itself what it means to lift water from under the earth up towards us. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the model of my nukfi, the model of the, the feminine waters that who's who are ascending because of a desire to transcend the current situation, you know, afapiche. Even 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 given the fact that it looks like all the all the gates are shut. Oh, it's shut from above? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna come to you instead. You you're not coming to us anymore? You're not showing yourself to us anymore? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna give the water. It's different than the rain. Exactly. It's, it's the opposite of the rain water. Right? Um, just also just an image that came to me. Uh, this was in the Shur's Torah we were living with. That, that image of water that comes under the earth, it's literally water that pours through like dirt and pebbles. It, we're, we're, the, the, the water from below is, is symbolizing Kedusha that rises from the earth towards God. You look at it and it's muddy. It's muddy. It's the Adama. It's dirt from which Kedusha is emerging. Okay? And, and this is what the Rebbe is, is just uncovering more and more and more is we're in the dirt, we're in the mud. This is how we find God. It's by making a new place for God to live. And not in the way that we were used to. And not in the way that we may have thought it should be. But given that this is where we are, this is where the water is going to come. 
you dig into the dirt to bring the water out. Okay. Okay. So let's come back into into the Ishkodesh now. Um, towards the end, go to the last page of the pamphlet here. Hayotze lanu mi dvarenu. Oh, did I misprint something here? Yeah. Yeah, hayotze. Okay, we said I. I have a, the book here. Can you find it? Yeah. Hayotze lanu mi dvarenu. Sheno bilvado. What comes from all that we've discussed, which we didn't discuss because we just skipped most of it, but there is nothing other than God. Everything is a divine illumination. Every form of birth, every Form of hitchhut of, of newness. Even just one thing that a person learns with another. It's not its own isolated entity. It's another uncovering of God's light. And now going back to the beginning. Also, when a person chooses to do good, that also comes from God. There is no place. There is nothing other. What are we supposed to do with this? Okay. Okay. So you're telling me that every every good every good act, every good desire. Every word of Torah I can share with another person is, is an act of God. It's in God's hands. But what can I do to, for more of that to enter into me? Okay. You're telling me that when I choose good, it's, it's something godly. Well, how can I have more awareness of that? How can I have more desire? Why is it that, that God gives some people more of this will and motivation and awareness than others? Meaning, you see that there's like different planes up. It's like on the one hand, it's all enon milvado. He's saying the whole context here, there's nothing operating here other than God. But we know that there's a relative scale in operation too. Where there's more here and less here, and a different quality of here. So, so how do we tap into that? We're not going to explain. But how do we these? How do we how do we connect to that level? Because because if you just tell me I don't know about that, so like where where does my motivation to do something? Like right. It's you need both, right? What the Rebbe started by saying. I'm just going to recap to to bring you in. What the Rebbe started by saying is even when we're awakened, aroused, desire to come close to God, that also comes from God. God gives us that desire. Okay? That, that's how, what he opened with. But if that's all you told me, I might feel kind of defeated by that. Or like, it could lead me to like apathy. And I was like, okay. I don't, I'm not going to get up out of bed. Like, oh, well, I don't want to daven. So I guess Eno Milvado. Right? No. 
So we, we, we have both of these planes happening at the same time, that it's all godliness, and we live in a relative world of, of Hester and Gilui, of revelation and of concealment. And we have an avodah here, which is to work, to uncover and discover more of the Gilui, of the revelation. This is a regular chat, like, you know, 70% of like all Ishbits are dealing with this struggle between Ishtadlut and 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 what, what what is my place within a world that belongs to God? What is Bechira? And what is Bechira? What is that? What is that? So what can I do for God to pour more of that will into me, more of that awareness into me? At the very least, I think I'll call panim here, it's like at the very least and the very most. <laughs> it's the least and the most we could do, is to thirst for God. To, to, to thirst and, and, and yearn for God to pour more of this goodwill into me. It's not enough for you to just tell me that God has goodwill and when I have goodwill, it's God's goodwill. It isn't a hate. That's not enough to get me to believe that when, when I'm down or when, when the doors are shut or when, when I'm not feeling it, that there's something else possible. It's not enough to connect me to God when I, when I fall out of I need to also thirst for it. I need to do something active to become engaged in it, to, to open up that. But I, I would say that the, 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 the image here is in a sense it's shuffling, right? It's digging back into the earth to let the water rise. We need to um, equip ourselves, prepare ourselves to become worthy or prepared to receive that holiness, that light, that ratzon v'da'ni ma'on, anything from above, we need to prepare ourselves to receive it. Now we're going to come back to Miriam, right? This was Miriam and Moshe. Moshe was the giver of the man. Moshe gave us man. He fed us food from heaven. But Miriam fed us water from underground. And Miriam's underground water is what allowed us to eat the food. By the way, it's kind of, I mean, maybe this is a theory, but you go back in Parsha Peshala, if I'm not mistaken, it's like we don't have water, then the man comes. It's like, okay, but I think that the air is maybe only the next I don't know. Anyway, let's put it aside. But, Right. Mara, Mara, okay. Yes. That's sure. Right. No, that's that's the next time. There's, there's whatever. We're not we're not oh, going to unpack the whole. That was first got, um, when Moshe sweetened yeah, the water. Sweet. Okay. As long as Miriam was alive, and again, Miriam is also his wife, Rachachai Miriam. As long as Miriam was alive, since she was not commanded to do what she did, but she did it from her own yearning, 
it shows us that the way that she ascended to the level she reached, it was driven by a thirst and a longing that was greater than, than her. It was stronger than, than, than herself. And for that reason, she had the ability to also awaken all of the rest of the nation to have a thirst for God. When, when he says Minana, would that be unlimited Amuchiyot? Sense of self? Because I'm. I think what he's saying is. That it was boundless. <laughs> Her thirst to come to come to God was beyond gvur. It was beyond limitation. Serving God in a limited way is that sort of way in which God's going to give me what I need to do what I need to do. That's the obligatory. That's the obligatory way where I'm mitzuvah I'm doing what I'm commanded to do, and God is giving me the energy to do what I'm commanded to, and giving me the desire to fulfill the thing that I'm commanded to fulfill. But when I'm serving God beyond what's commanded of me, it's like me and the desert. You know, it's it's like uh, like Rabbi Nachman says, Echad Avraham. Like Abraham Avinu had this awareness that I'm the only one, it's just me and God in this world. And I'm just doing whatever I can. That the chuka was was coming from a, a an expansive place that could therefore touch other everybody else as well. And she, Miriam, from making other people, being so thirsty for God that she made other people thirsty for God, she brought them to the place where they were able to take in those lights from above that Moshe drew down to them. Right? Moshe was giving them Torah from heaven. But they could not have the ability to even receive that Torah from heaven without the desire to receive it. Right? This is what the Rebbe said in the previous paragraph. In Omnivado, God runs the world. The whole world is just God's you know, activity. But nonetheless, I need to do something to receive it. I need to do something to become a Kli that can have the Da'at and Ratzon for, for that Torah the desire for it and the awareness of it. Miriam is the one who made the whole nation able to receive Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu. Because she was the one who thirsted from below to above. She was the one who said, I'm not waiting for God to speak to me. I'm coming to God. Right? That holy disobedience we talked about. Right? She, you don't you understand? There is no Moshe Rabbeinu without a Miriam. There isn't. Which means there's no Torah without, without a Miriam. That's Pshad of Chazal. That's Pshad and Chazal. She's responsible for his birth. She's responsible for his survival. She's responsible for connecting him to his mother, to his people, that he then can go out and see in the pain of his brothers and run into the whole. 
There is no story of Moshe without Miriam's guidance. She's a hidden teacher behind this other teacher, right? But that's that's the that's the the, the legacy of Miriam and Avia. As we spoke, Moshe is called the Shoshvina de Malka by the Zohar, where the Shoshvinim are the people who accompany a bride and a groom to the Chuppah. So Moshe is called Shoshvina de Malka, Aaron Akon is the Shoshvina de Matronita. Moshe accompanies the groom, the king. Aaron accompanies the queen, which is the Knesset Israel, which is the people towards God. Okay, here he's talking about Miriam, but the Seder, the, the point here is that Moshe is the one who brings godliness from above to below. Right? That's what Moshe does. Hey, everyone, let me tell you what God said. That's what Moshe does. I'm going to come and, and command. I'm going to command. Do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. Why'd you do that? Right? Remember what the Rebbe said about the whole, our relationship with God through commandment. Our relationship through God, with God through commandment is God-driven. God is basically running that whole operation telling us what to do, and infusing us with enough awareness and desire to do it. But the level of serving God beyond commandment or without commandment, which the Rebbe talks about as the model of, of women who became, became tzadikot, of Miriam and his wife, but, but I think the Rebbe is also speaking to people who can't even fulfill mitzvot right now. What do you do when you can't do mitzvot? Yeah. Yeah. What do you do when, when the mitzvot are not an option anymore? Well, connection with God doesn't end there. Not only does it not end there, but there's something that maybe even more prime primary, which is the arousal from below, which is afopicha, which is I want I want to connect with you anyway, and I'm going to do it by maybe saying something, saying a good word to my friend by caring about somebody, by sharing a piece of Torah that I remembered with somebody, by giving someone a piece of bread or some chizuk, or just being with them. This is what the Rebbe said in the last Torah of Chukat. That's the, that, that other Chukat Torah that, that we were talking about. He says that you can't do mitzvot, just empathize with somebody. That's, that's more than enough. But when Miriam died, they were deflated. They didn't have such a strong desire anymore. Right? There was nobody showing them how can a human being actually come close to God. Moshe is how does God come close to human beings? He's the Shoshmin of the Malka. He's walking with God. He's standing with God on the mountain. But Miriam is showing him how does a person themselves come up to God, approach God. Without Miriam in the picture anymore, there was nobody to, to, to teach them that. What was the problem that they couldn't drink water anymore? The problem was that they couldn't receive anything from heaven anymore. We can't hear you anymore, Moshe. We don't get it anymore. You and God are disconnected from us. We're disconnected from you. Right? The Rabbi asked, why did Moshe Tarach? Moshe had to, was forced, it was necessary for him to bend himself down to them. 
in order to then lift them up with an arousal and awakening of desire from within themselves once more. How is Moshe bringing himself down to them? By sinning on his level. A sin that's considered a sin for Moshe Rabbeinu, which is hitting the rock instead of talking to it. You could call it that, yeah. They complain about the water, right? We can't, there's no water for us to drink. It's not just that we, it's just, it's not, it's disappeared, it's gone. Even what God, so think about this for a moment. Okay, first let's go pshat. Pshat means even without understanding. There's this idea that Rebbe's developing here. I'll speak to it a little more. It's, it's based in, it's one of the most, paradoxical and, and kind of difficult sugyas in, in Torah in general, but in Chassidut that addresses it is that the tzaddik sometimes has to sin for the sake of, of the people. And the idea of sin here, like we read the Torah and it's, there's a reason everyone for generations is asking, what's the big deal that they hit the rock? What is this, what's the big deal? Because it's really not so obvious, like, what that's about. Okay, you said speak, they hit, and you're going to tell them that they can't go to Eretz Yisrael? Like, that whole thing is a any answer you come up with it, it still doesn't really make sense, right? You still have the question. And, and part of that is because this idea of chet al-pi erko shal Moshe Rabbeinu is not something we, we quite can understand. What does it mean that this is a sin for Moshe? For me to hit a rock, for you to hit a rock, whatever. Okay, but it's, it's something very intimate between Moshe and God, what it means that he hit the rock. And what was so damaging to Moshe? That's that's a big pashut. The Rebbe saying Moshe did this. Okay, Moshe hit the rock intentionally. Moshe didn't listen to God intentionally, disobeyed intentionally because he knew this was the only way he can now get the people to desire God once more. The people are not hearing my Torah because there's no Miriam. There's no one who can show them a path towards God. I'm up there with God. They can't come to me. I need to come to them, and we together need to now go back towards God. Which, by the way, the, the part of the Chazidish story and talk about this is you can't get someone else to do tshuva if you're not also doing tshuva. You can't bring someone else to God if you're so close to God. So you have all these stories and different articulations of Chazidim who come to Rebbe's, and the Rebbe's have to find the part of them that's also participating in that person's crisis or sin. Or, or, or damaged goods in order to be able to help bring tikkun. Like that, this, is, this is part of what the Rebbe is saying. The hitting of the rock, the Rebbe says, is Moshe seeing that Miriam's out of the picture and the people have no capacity to long for God anymore. They can't imagine it's even possible. They can't feel that there's anything holy about them. So he says, that's it. I'm, I'm leaving God's camp for now and I'm going to the people's camp. I'm going to do that by sinning, by hitting the rock. Kanoda Masurim Akadoshim, as is known from the Swarmir, he quotes from the Toda Yaakov Yosef, the, the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. If you don't have, so the, the, the model is like you're doing a mitzvah. Well, I can only do a mitzvah on your behalf if I have the same mitzvah upon you, the same obligation. Which this is the Hasidish teaching. There's times when, when a tzaddik needs to sin 
in their own way, whatever is sin on their in their realm means. The in order to bring benefit to everybody else. Right? Because I can't do something, I can't participate in your actions unless I have the same obligation as you. So to speak, the tzaddik can't lift up the people without becoming one of them. It must be, the Rebbe says, the Moshe did tshuva immediately after this. And by, by doing so, he lifted them up as well. Right? Because they had a crisis. They were disconnected from God. So Moshe said, I'm also going to disconnect from God. And now I'm going to do tshuva and we're going to do tshuva together. And from there came enormous word of the water. Because you'd say, if God told him do this and he did the wrong thing, why did all this water come out? Why did all this water come out? That says, Mayim Rabim. Yetzu Mayim Rabim. It occurred to me on Shabbos. Mayim Rabim, lo yechlu l'chabotetahava from Shir Shirim. The mighty waters that 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 um, cannot extinguish any love. Right? But, but just to come back to the, to the Rebbe's uh, Torah here is that it must have been that what, Moshe, what, what we know is that what Moshe did brought the bracha to the people. He brought them the shefa and the Yeshua they needed. So it can't be so simple that he did the wrong thing. And it can't be so simple that he just made a mistake. Okay. So. Okay. So let's just kind of like recap a little because there's, there's more that I, I, I want us to look at on this. If we, if we able to, but number one, the Rebbe saying that Miriam was the one who could give people the motivation and the longing to come close to God themselves. And without Miriam, Moshe didn't know how to speak to the people anymore. They weren't able to receive Torah from him. And he had to go back, break away from his level and come to, to do the kind of a vote that Miriam did, which is to bring water from below. Again. That was the only people he could do. The only way he could lift people up. Okay? Now, We said that this, this is the Torah the Rebbe was giving on the parsha of his wife's yard site, who he calls Miriam, who was a person who devoted herself to coming close to God, who was a person who, he writes, used to fast over the Hasidim when they were sick, who gave people all of the kind of support that they needed, who was going above and beyond and above and beyond and above and beyond at every stage. And here the Rebbe is saying, so, so Who's the Moshe Rabbeinu here? Who's Moshe Rabbeinu in, in the Warsaw Ghetto? There's one person who's bringing Torah to the people in the Warsaw Ghetto, right? Well, his wife died in 1937, but here he is in 1942. And there's people who can't hear God anymore. They can't get Torah from heaven. But there's a person who's committed to bringing them Torah anyway. A person who's not willing to give up on bringing Bar Hashem to people. How's he going to do it? How's he going to do it? So, here already, I'm just going to say this is my take. 
on what the Rebbe is saying, and doesn't mean that it's. That's all it means. Okay, it's not a. We 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 stopped reading the Eish now. Now you're hearing what I'm saying. What happened to Moshe Rabbeinu after he hit the rock? What was the consequence of hitting the rock? Simple questions. What's the consequence? He didn't go into the land. The Rebbe was offered multiple times to leave. The Rebbe was brought passports to leave. He could have gone to Eretisra. He could have gone. And whenever they came to him, he said, no way. He said, I'm not leaving my physical. The Rebbe doesn't leave his physical. And if we go back to the pieces that we didn't read in this Torah, everything the Rebbe's talking about here is he's, he's dealing with the question, how do we participate in eternal life? What does it mean to be part of eternal life? Part of what it means is to have children, for there to be humanity that lives on and on and on. But we see that even that before us isn't, isn't really working. Part of what it means is to speak words of God to each other. And that in that itself, there is a hope to still be tapped into this eternal life. Now, I don't know if this is what the Rebbe meant, but I wonder, I wonder if he saw himself refusing to leave the ghetto as being Moshe hitting the rock. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I wonder if the Rebbe said, you know what, I could leave. I can continue to live out there. God's maybe giving me an option. But I am not leaving these people. Just like Moshe saw, these people don't have a connection anymore. They have nobody to connect them to God. So he said, I'm going to do the wrong thing to do the right thing. Right? I'm going to not follow orders to, in order to commit myself to these people. Because there's no Miriam anymore figuratively and literally, there's no other way that they're going to have any ability to imagine, hope for, connect with anything that is connected to life. I'm not going to remain here and continue to teach them. I'm not going to remain here and not give up on that. Not give up on, on the Torah that can still teach them. I want to read you something that I saw on Shabbos that blew my mind. Okay, look at what happens in Parshish Bukat. And again, this is just Ami talking. It's not the Ishkosh anymore. So I'm not, I'm not putting this on him. But we got to put on his, his clothes for the next generation. Right? But even so. Okay, look, look, look at what happened here. Miriam dies, right? They don't have water. And look at what the people say. The people go to battle with Moshe. Listen to what they say. If only we had died in the death of our brothers before God. We're talking about the generation of the desert. Why did you bring up these people to just die? But, but, but listen to what they say. And then they say, they go into their classic truck. Why'd you bring us out of Egypt in the first place, etc.? But what they said to Moshe is, if only we had died with our brothers in the desert. And what just happened to Moshe? 
Moshe's sister just died. Okay. Moshe's sister dies. And the people say, you know, Moshe, our brothers died here. We want to die. We, we wish that we, were, that we could die here. And taking what the Ashkodesh says, Moshe then decides, you know what? My sister died in the desert. No way I'm going to Israel. I'm not going without my brothers and sisters. I'm not going without them. And that the people's complaint, it awoke in Moshe that awareness of what's really going on here. What does it mean to really be, you know, kol ha'ida, kal Hashem? Okay, these are people that are going to go into the land. But the people who didn't go into the who I took out of Egypt, didn't go into the land. They all died off now. 38 years they all died then, off. 38 years they all died off, and now the only people left are Moshe, Miriam, and Aram. And Miriam's gone. And he hears the people say, you know what, our brothers died there, we don't want to go anymore. And Moshe says, I can't go on without my sister. I want to tell you something that Chazal says that Rashi brings. When Moshe is the, his, comes to the Rath, he says, Shimu, right? Listen up, you Morim. Now, first of all, first of all, the Torah spells Morim here without a word. It's spelled Hamorim, Hamir Reish Yudmain. Listen up, Hamiriam. We're going to bring water from Iraq. This is what it looks like to bring water from Iraq. Okay? Now, what does it mean, Al-Pipashu, Tamorim? Everybody says it means what? Rebels. rebels. And if we look at Miriam's life as being a rebel, a good thing, or is being a rebel a bad thing? Fabulous. Being a rebel is being a prophet, if you're Miriam. Right? So Shimon Amor Chazal says, and Rashi brings this, why does he call them Morim? Hamorim and Morehem. Rashi brings Chazal then Morim. I mean, also, Morim means teachers. It doesn't mean rebels. It means, listen, you teachers. I got it. You taught me what I need to do here. You couldn't drink water anymore. You said you wish that you died with your brothers. You taught me what my avoda is here. My avoda is to bring you water and to die with my sister. Here with you in the desert. To not abandon all those people who I carried until this point, who didn't make it beyond here, okay? Shimuna hamorim hamorim et morehem. You, the people, taught Moshe Rabbeinu what his destiny was. They, they taught him to make that realization, to make that, that shift that, that my devotion is not gonna be me to God, to fulfill the whole vision and plan. My devotion is going to be to, the, to you. You taught me that. And the truth is, if you look in the parsha after this, you have like three more stories that are about brothers. You have this story, then you have go send, immediately after sending Malachim from Kadesh to where? To Edom. And it says, Amar Achicha Yisrael, your brother... Hey, Edom, Aesop's people, your brother Israel is coming through the desert and, and we need some help. And then the next part of the next story is Aaron and Cohen dying on the, on the mountain. This is all brothers and sisters being, being played out in these last stages of, of life in the desert. 
and Moshe becomes a brother, right? That, how does Moshe, how did the story begin? Vayaret, at, uh, I forgot the Vayaret Echav, he goes out to see his brothers to see in their, in their suffering. Miriam's the one who made him an Ach. Not just because she's his sister, but because without her, he has no relationship to his people. You hear that Miriam is the, the, the catalyst of, of all of the Yeshua of Amisra. And, and, it's, and it's to the point where, and this is, uh, you know, take it or leave it. The Rebbe, this is the third to last Torah the Rebbe wrote. He took these words. He wrote these words with the belief that someone was going to read them. And he buried them in the earth. And he was absorbed into, into his people. And remember what we saw in Tzavazirus, that the Chayin Netzach is in here. The Chayin Netzach is in the, the words that you write your soul on paper and give it to another person to ingest. That's what eternal life means. There is no eternal life for a human being. But there's participating in eternal life through connecting. To humanity in the deepest way. Just as Moshe did that. What happened to Moshe? Moshe disappeared in the desert also. Moshe, where's Moshe buried? Where's, where's the Rebbe buried? He's not. Where's Moshe living? In every word of the Torah. It's Torah and Moshe. It's Moshe Rabbeinu. It's the Chayinat. Moshe's whole Nakuda. I'll pee the spirit. Isn't that something? Because he, he, what it, what it, and, and this is the craziest thing. What it looks like to transcend human limitation is by becoming so utterly human that you're just absorbed into, into the rest of humanity. You hear this? The refusal to live a life of God that's disconnected from your brethren, that's disconnected from the brotherhood and sisterhood of, of human life. The refusal to leave that for God and the devotion towards people and being absorbed into them is where you can live eternally. That's where you can transcend like the limits of, of human, like human mentality. I mean, let me just, you know, yes. <laughs> These words were never learned by anybody in his lifetime. A couple people heard him say them. Nobody read them. So many of this farm that nobody ever saw until they were dug out of the earth. Is the mind is the mind These are these are these are words of Torah that were buried in the earth and came out of the earth. The Torah is it's the Torah of Miriam. It's the Torah of the well water. That's not coming from above. It's coming so deeply from below that, that it can't be it can't be extinct. So I, you know, there's a lot in this Torah. There's some, like, so much more than we even saw here. But just like, uh, just the one word that's coming. Kind of, what did the Rebbe give us? Rebbe give us courage. You know, Rebbe give us courage. Rebbe's giving us hope. That when you can't do anything, there's also something. Yeah. When. Oh, every door is closed? Okay, I guess there's a different door that, that doesn't even look like a door. That looks like a non-door. 
that that's the place where where Torah is coming from. I mean, the, the baseline here is that is that God is always being revealed. The avoda is getting let, letting my ideas of what that's supposed to look like dissolve when 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 I hit a wall that it's just not working. Right? But the hikalut is is the giving. Right? That's what he says here. That's that's the baseline. Okay, but then what? But then how do I my voter become how do I become part of that stream? How do I step into that stream? And that has to do with on a basic level, he gives the basic level chukah. They yearn for it. Because there's no instruction manual for it. Because it's not on the level of Mitsuva Veosa. It's beyond the level of being it's the level of being innately bound to God's God's world. When we thirst from that place, that's the only way we're going to be able to recover it, to taste it, to share it, to discover it. Many of these recordings are from Rabbi Ami's ongoing weekly classes given at Yeshivat Sharei Shalom in Jerusalem. For more information, go to shalom.org.il forward slash about. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Rav Daniel Kohn. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.